welcome to These Amazing Places podcast. This is show number 138 for the week beginning or releasing Monday, December 13th, 2010. Merry Christmas and welcome back if you're a avid listener. If not and you're a new listener, well, welcome. This is a new show for us and uh, we're doing something a little different this week. But I am Adam and here's Doug to talk about more details. Merry Christmas, everyone. Okay, this week we are doing... Uh, kind of a concert series that we'll we'll start, we'll visit here and there, but this one is specific to Christmas, and that will be Handel's Messiah. And so actually what we're going to do is break down um, many of the cities that the Messiah is playing in, and many of these shows you can go see uh, for free or a little charge. Uh, it's a really uh, astounding experience to be there and hear it. Um, during, though, our discussion, we will uh, break down the Messiah and uh, within two. Basically, it's three parts, and uh, we'll play a piece from each one of those parts to make you somewhat familiar with what you'll be seeing if you do go to see the show. And I think that is it, so uh, let's carry on. Hey, why don't you drop us a line at podcast at these amazing places. Want to see what we're up to or you want to send us something while you're out and about? Just send us a tweet at twitter.com slash amazing places. Hey, everybody. We've got some great new uh, YouTube videos. And if you can come check them out, you'll find them at youtube.com slash these amazing places. Book it now at these amazing places.com. For more information, click on the book it tab on our website. Right. So if you are a listener that has listened to our show before, you obviously know that we generally focus on trying to get those large, well, not all the time. For the most part, we're trying to get those vacation places that you might want to go to or that have a lot of stuff to go to. And we'll give tips and exciting things to go see and to make your experience much better. Also, um, what one of our visions has been is to fit those places in that are out of the way and kind of like hidden that maybe these little small towns and we've done some throughout this past year and or two years and two and a half years however long we've been going on here and now we're going on to this next phase not necessarily phase but another show that we felt fits right into what uh, we enjoy talking about and it kind of goes into the area of uh, what Doug said at the beginning of the intro. It's, live concert performance. Yeah, live concert performance. Now, it is not necessarily you're going to go travel and you're going to live you know, for a week at this place and go on vacation, but we strongly feel that entertainment is a vacation for both of us, and we love music, and music is just uh, its just one of those things, and if you listen to the sh- our shows, you obviously know that we are all about audio experiences and everywhere we're going. Um, that's part of the reason why the music part of us that we like so much is part of the reason why we're so into the sounds of the theme parks and these sounds that just surround you or the rides or the experiences that they create. And uh, we had a discussion earlier today off mic, obviously, that we were on our way home from work, but it was just a, it was a great vision of just what we wanted the podcast to be, where it was just give you ideas to go see stuff. And I think this week will definitely help you with a, something to do at Christmas, something that's close, hopefully, to your area, because this performance goes on all over the country. And it goes on every year. Actually. So if you don't get to see it this year, keep it in mind for next year. Yeah. This is a show that 
that the reason why we decided to go in this direction with this show was not only that it's Christmas, but this is, I mean, time lasting. Mm-hmm. If you don't see it this year, you can see it next year. You can see it five years from now. This show will still last throughout that time. You can go back to it. You can listen to it and think, still a good idea, even five years later. So Yeah. So, uh, while we say that, um, we obviously are into all different kinds of music. This music that we're going to be talking about is considered... It's the classical music style of music. Especially so, for, for this time of the year. Yes. And, it, and obviously... You know, whatever. Music fits everyone, and everyone has their own opinions about what kind of music they like. Uh, You'll definitely be hearing some classical music later on as we play it and talk about it. But it is something that is of interest to me, especially when it comes to that... It's I want to say art, but I don't mean art like painting art. I mean art as in the style of expression in things where you hear... Like, music is an art, and... uh, you can just feel emotion in music, and you don't even have to have words to it a lot of times. And, it and just, we will describe how the yeah. Handel's Messiah was written and the emotions that took place, basically, mm-hmm. in him and many people uh, that heard it and read it, even during that time, which was the 1700s, and even till now. I mean, there are many things that take place uh, when people go to see this. And so it's still the same moving experience uh, now than it was in the 1700s. Yeah. Definitely. So before we begin talking about it and giving you some audio and some experiences that if you're not familiar with it, I'm glad you're listening and I hope that you continue to listen through the end of the show. If you're familiar with it, great. I hope that this gives you a little more insight into maybe if you've heard it before or whatever. So first thing I want to do is we checked out, I just did a quick Google search on several cities around the United States and I just put in Handel's Messiah 2010 performances and then I put in a city or a state or whatever. And I came up with all kinds of cities, and I just want to go through several of them right now, just quickly, so that uh, you are familiar, or you want to maybe you're looking to do something with your family for the Christmas uh, time here. Um, first off, obviously, big cities come out first on searches, and the New York Philharmonic is actually performing the Messiah. They have down here that it will be presented Tuesday, December 14th through Saturday, December 18th, all at 7:30. Um, and that is more information, of course, you can search. Uh, this one happens to be on broadwayworld.com. However, there are several other places, and I'm just going to quickly go through those. Uh, I found searches for Handel's Messiah at Lake Walls, Florida, Miami, Florida, Polk Arts Festival in Central Florida, Sarasota, Florida, um, Modesto, California, La Jolla, California. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a L-A space J-O-L-L-A. Uh, San Diego and San Francisco, California. There's also in the Boston Globe in Boston, Massachusetts, they had a, a link to a website relating to Handel and Haydn. It's called handleandhaydn.org. And some several things in there about Handel's Messiah being performed. Washington, D.C. at the Kennedy Center. Uh, in the state of Washington, there's actually a website that I looked at called eventpremiumtickets.com relating to Washington and tickets there. And then, uh, since we're in Ohio, I did, of course, several searches. Um, Heidelberg University has already done theirs, but they do one every year. Uh, Columbus, Ohio has several going on with the Columbus Symphony. In this case, the Ohio Theater is still yet to do one. And then there's this other one in Chicago that I found. It's called coasttocoasttickets.com. And uh, before I continue, I want to say, while... A lot of these performances, you may think it's going to cost money to go to. You actually don't have to pay on a lot of them, and they're mainly to do with universities, colleges, 
uh, nonprofit organizations, large events like this that uh, they just hold nonprofit concerts for this because they, they either perform the Messiah every year or they're doing it just because they want to perform it and get it together. And a, and a lot of it is community members or whatever. But there are some that are pay for, like the New York Philharmonic, obviously, is because they're such a great group. But I encourage you to go check out, if you have never experienced this, go check out a group for free first, because then you don't have to feel like you're paying for it. Plus, it can be a great uh, tradition if you want to take your family to it, because it's always free every year. Uh, and in the case of when we play the audio, that this performance will be coming from a university that does it every year. And so it's just a tradition. Just um, And there are a lot of those universities around. Right. Uh, in fact, I think Mississippi State, I found some searches that they did it. Um, there's several universities. And then they so, pop up. Yeah, they'll all pop up. And it's great mm -hmm. because this is actually musicians from the college that participate in the programs or students that are getting their degrees in music that participate. And uh, uh, so anyway, I just wanted to let that out there. That's kind of the travel part of it because it's just search it, check it out. If it's in your area, go check it out. And uh, this if is you a good night, really. I mean, it's a good thing. Uh, to something out of the way, different. That's what we were trying to look for for Christmas time. Uh, at the same time, it's a neat to kind of visit different universities and different venues, maybe that you haven't been before. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's a good night to maybe just if it's just you and your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, uh, dress up and go to the event. It's and true. Hang out. So, and you, you know what? I I didn't think about this until now. It's a good thing to introduce your kids into the music yep. like this. Not that they're going to like classical no, and music and this is and a long this. piece. This is three hours. Yeah. So, well, two hours and, what, 40 well, minutes, something like that. So, we'll go into that in a second yeah. because there's some edits I want right. to say there. But anyway, your kids love music, I'm sure, as they're growing up. I, I know some very small kids now that are dancing around to, like, these cartoon things. And music just kind of catches catches humans in general and it's that emotional thing it starts when you're young and the earlier really that you introduce them to this kind of music the more accepting i think they are yeah yeah I mean, and that's how i think it worked mm -hmm. with me so and personally i think that the arts should be stronger in the united states but that's all right um it's not at this point but i mean it is but it's not it could be stronger and i i encourage it and i'm going to encourage it for my kids so we're going to going to move on and talk about the messiah and give some details Doug, you've got some notes. Do you want to just start? Yeah, the top? I actually am just going to just describe briefly um, uh, how this kind of took place. And his name is uh, George Friedrich Handel. He was the man who wrote uh, the Messiah, and basically he wrote it in August of 1741. It says upon after upon reading uh, scriptures from the Old and New Testaments, uh, Handel was overcome by their power. The music began dancing and exploding within him. He immediately shut himself in and work night and day, often forgetting to eat. The servants could, from time to time, hear his sobs as he labor, labored over the inspired text. He finished the original librato and score in 24 days, and it was a complete musical performance that requires nearly three hours. This was finished in 24 days. Um, that's, first of all, what I found amazing. Um, then Beethoven uh, was reputed to have first picked up Handel's Messiah with these words, uh, here is a different fellow, and proceeded to play the most interesting-looking passages. On another occasion, he is said to have remarked, Handel is the greatest composer that ever lived, and spoke of the oratorio as having sublimity of language. The music of Messiah so permeated Beethoven's being that on his deathbed he is reputed to have quoted from the Messiah, stating that if there were a physician that could help him, his name shall be called Wonderful. And so that's just a little bit of kind of the insides to uh, 
how this all took place when he wrote this and really, I mean, how quickly he wrote this and the complexity, but at the same time, uh, the simpleness of the performance is, uh, is incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to comment because um, both Doug and I have been fortunate enough to get bachelor's degrees, but we've both gone to Liberty or Liberty liberal arts schools where a liberal arts school generally gives you a, a wide form of schooling. In other words, you have to take a basic psychology class. You got to take a basic science class. You got to take, well, in our case, we had to take a basic music class and it was called music in the Western world, which introduced you into, uh, just forms of music back from the romantic period, or I'm sorry, even earlier than that, the medieval Renaissance era, all the way up through basically 20th century music. And Handel was a part of that classical era back in that 1700s. But anyway, you learn about composers that everyone's heard of, you know, Beethoven, Mozart. Handel is one of those that is known, you know, but he's kind of like under the cover. This a little is what bit. he's most known for. Yeah. Let's face it. One of the greatest things and uh you know Bach and those composers so if you think of a lot of these guys today would be more known as those musical geniuses that kind of just have that niche um maybe even uh oh what's his name he's a he's a producer he's done Chicago his his first name's David uh Foster David Foster yeah. he, he reminds me of like a yeah. David Foster kind of guy who's like just got that ear for music and there's but anyway ton. there's a ton I mean yeah. honestly we can we could we'll jump through a few. I mean, I'll, I'll jump through one who's a modern day. Uh, Danny Elfman. Oh, yeah. Is a composer who He's can got... do anything. And when I started looking into this guy's background, I know that we're not going to go into the Danny Elfman show here. <laughs> but And this will take you down we the direction can. of where we will go at some point. Yeah. Yeah, this guy actually uh, learned uh, his musician style on the streets in Russia and in Africa along yeah. with his brother. And you can hear it. Uh, when you first find that out about him, you can hear it. Yeah. So, well, it started with his Oingo, Oingo Boingo days. Well, actually, it was and, before, and then before he took then. that into Oingo Boingo. Yeah. yeah. And if you listen to Oingo see, we're getting way <laughs> off track here. <laughs> well, now, how did we go from hand, handle to Oingo Boingo? Well, I know. Anyway, but, but no, it's great. I, I want our inspiration to be present in the podcast because right. we don't do this just to be like, oh, here's another thing to go see and it's boring. Yeah. And there's an inspiration. Just get us through the holiday shows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't want it to be that. So, but, but and, and there are, there, I mean, I could jump through, you know, yes. uh, Randy Newman. Uh, there are many composers, uh, wait, James Newton Howard. There's many that are around now. It's just mm -hmm. that they're, they're, what is it you call They're basically they're, what is it you call the thing that the painter takes from? Uh, okay. Anyway, whatever. Any Their palette of colors yes. is much different now, and that by that I mean, in a lot of ways, they have many more instrumental mm -hmm. uh, things to well, use. Well, you gotta adm admit it's involved with technology right. and modern culture. So, uh, anyway, you hear about these composers from back then, and you think, oh man, they must have been crazy or whatever. But I mean, the stories they tell about Mar Mozart were true. The stories they tell about Handel, they were Beethoven, pretty true. Beethoven Handel, stuff. He was yeah. deaf. Beethoven was deaf by the time he was uh, ninth later symphony. in life. But yeah, the ninth, ninth symphony, symphony he, he wrote, wrote it by cutting the legs off the piano and feeling the vibrations. On the floor and this is the incredible yeah, musician. Yeah. So but, yeah. this is another example of someone who is had that musicianship, and you can hear it in the music. You think twenty four days, holy cow, that's a 
that's a ton. He just closed himself in. When you listen to this music, it doesn't sound like he composed it in 24 days. It sounds incredible, like it took him years and years to create. And uh, so anyway, um, okay. let's go. Let's Look, jump into it so that we I, can... I want to just give one little bit more information. Uh, when Handel wrote many times, and you're going to understand this in some ways more than... Anyway, he wrote, uh, let's say he wrote in... What did they call this here? Employing word painting. So basically what that means is uh, if uh, basically in the Messiah when they talked about and every mountain and hill made low, uh, they, he would basically – the notes would take you up and down. Yeah. And so he wrote along with whatever they were describing lyrically, he had the music do. And so at first I thought, well, man, that could be, become very complicated and a mess, but it's uh-huh. not. It becomes extremely powerful. Yeah. It, so. It's kind of the – it's the form of music writing back in that time that kind of worked well – with how that modern culture was taking it, you know, I say modern, I mean present day, you know, how the, how the listeners listen to that music and just the same reason why we have certain styles of music and how as time progressed, uh, if you're a musician, you know, understand this chromatic and chromatic, um, yeah. notes started to, yeah, that's and that's what, why that 20, 20th century from. is so weird because it's just chaos yeah. kind of sounding music. Chromatic but, harmonies. Yeah. And it, is. It, and it got that way because of the way time has progressed and we've gotten, whatever in more involved in our music and all that kind of stuff anyway um i would like to give one little basic overview of the messiah before you go into dive into that okay first of all the messiah is um yes it is i think if it's done in complete full form it is about three hours long or maybe shortly under that the presentation that i've been involved with which is what you're going to listen to is stuff that was Cut. They've cut a couple songs out of it, so it ends up being about a two and a half. Well, two hours and fifteen minutes is the total time, but there's an intermission in between, okay. so you're not sitting there the entire time. And in fact, what this university does is they actually take a break. They let you go out and get some cookies and punch and stuff or whatever, and they give a basket and they encourage you to donate to music scholarships. So in that case, obviously it's free, but you can donate if you want. And other universities do the same exact kind of thing because they know that the Messiah is going to draw a lot of from a lot of people from the you community. Know what? And so. I, we're part of this. The universities go all out for this stuff. The, the decorations and stuff that oh, you'll yeah. see around are usually incredible. And so if there's any time to go and see some of these places, whether it's a university, whether it's a music hall somewhere, this is the time to go because this is as good as it gets as far as decorative, yeah. as far as the music that's going to be cool. performed. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of reasons to be there and to be able to enjoy your evening or day or whatever it happens to be. Okay, so the Messiah is done in a way that um, it is, I guess, if you were not a music listener and you didn't know what classical music was, or you maybe you did, uh, this, you might consider this opera. This is not really considered opera because it is not a story and dramatic play involved. Um, so the Messiah is involved, let me just say this, there is a chorus, which is a choir, there is a small orchestra, which involves violin, violas, cellos, a harpsichord. Now, a harpsichord is a old school piano. You can really hear. It's it's. Yeah. I it's mean, actually, no, I listen to some of the audio, and you can hear it. So. It's a, it's played just like a piano, but the strings are plucked when when someone pushes down a key. A gener- a regular piano today, modern day piano, a hammer hits the string and it resonates. In a harpsichord, it you push the key down and there's a little thing that plucks so the plucks string. Plucks like a guitar string. So it plucks like a guitar string and it sounds very tinny it's like kring 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 kind of like that so that's what the harpsichord is Uh, a bass like upright you know regular bass uh, with string bow and everything Um, trumpet timpani 
there's a couple trumpets in there, not just one. And what else? And then four soloists. And the four soloists represent um, the four parts that you sing in um, music, which is soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. And each of those has their own little section where they sing. Like the tenor may have a solo at first, and then the soprano may come up and sing, and then the chorus comes up and they sing, and and it kind of goes like that throughout the entire time while representing the entire storyline of this Messiah thing that uh, Handel has created. So that gives you an idea of what you're going to experience if you go and check it out. Um, the opening scene is the overture. In fact, you know, I can just play that right now to break some. Okay, that's good. Just break. No, that's fine. The overture yeah. is completely instrumental, just like an overture on a play or anything like that. So I'm going to play just a little bit of the overture uh, just to give you a feel for the stringed instruments and everything, all the instrumentation without any voices in, in the way. So here's just a little bit of the overture. Personally, I really enjoy the overture because it's got that, it's just this... The, it warms you up into what's about to happen. Yeah, and it's amazing to me to hear a live string player in front of you. Like, you hear these movie soundtracks all the time, and it's big and awesome and produced and whatever, and there's these amazing musicians. But when you actually hear, like, a pretty decent musician in front of you, it's pretty cool to hear it, like, right there. And, yep. Uh, I was fortunate enough to record this. I've made these recordings, so it's. I'm just thankful that I could be a part of this. So... Moving on. Um, so then the rest of the uh, Messiah begins with, you well, know. Uh, first, let's just jump through things. for somebody Go. who may not know. And, and so this is usually how we try to approach things. What is a Messiah? Messiah is a Hebrew word usually translated in the New Testament as Christ. It means the anointed of God, the oratorio, aims to present an outline of the life and mission of the Lord Jesus Christ taken from Scripture. For all the words sung during the course of this piece of music are taken from the Bible. Uh, basically, and I'll just say quickly, oratorio is a way of educating uh, people that were listening at the time. And so if you took a, a major book like the Bible at the time, they couldn't print them and many people couldn't read. And so they were able to come to these performances and be educated by the performance. And sometimes so. it depends on – I'm just jumping this in there. It depends on the, the – uh, what do I want to say? How you know Middle class, upper class, lower class – Sometimes the lower class, they just didn't have any money. They couldn't afford education. So just hearing stuff, and a lot of times the upper class paid to get into the concerts, so the lower class ended up just, I don't know, they cleaning, do up, yeah. cleaning up afterwards, and they could like be outside the concert hall hearing it or whatever. And so that's another way that, yes, they could hear that. So 
Okay. Continue. This oratorio is broken into three pieces, basically. And so what we're going to do here is just begin to, we'll give you a little description of the piece. We'll play you maybe some of the piece, and then we'll move on to the next. And if you're curious to hear more, it's all over the place online or, as we've talked about, find a show and go see it. Okay, first part. Uh, the oratorio is divided into three main sections. The first part dramatizes the great expectancy in, uh, in Israel for the promised Messiah. It draws upon some of the great prophecies of the Old Testament that foretell his coming and the work he will accomplish. I could go into it a lot more, but basically uh, the first part of that is the birth of the Messiah. And so, and the example that we're going to play uh, from this first part uh, is uh, a song called Every Valley. Um, the quote goes, Every valley will be exalted, and every mountain and hill made low, and the crooked straight and the rough places plain. And uh, this is the tenor that is singing a solo on this song. It's kind of a catchy little tune. You'll, you'll hear it as you, it's played. I'm only going to play a, a portion of it. Um, but anyway, what a majority of the, the words that goes with the music, basically in the Messiah, they, could, they tend to repeat it. So it kind of so just... Because they're biblical. Yeah. And so there's nothing more that he needed to add. And right. So if you did anything, you would repeat that phrase. But it doesn't sound repeated in the music a lot right. of times. So like he'll he'll take one line and just go sing through all the way, and then he'll go back and say the line again in the music, but then he'll make them, you know, melodically go through something different, if that makes any sense. And so... Um, it will when they hear it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to play probably the intro with the intro from the strings and the orchestra there, and then... Uh, Cut right into him singing oh, this. Yeah, and everybody remember words. this is kind of a, a joyous part. So a lot of times it will be uh, basically up tempo because they are celebrating the birth. Yes. Or the coming of the Messiah. The, yeah, it's the the so, prophecies that are telling you that the coming of the Messiah right. is coming. Yes. Yep. So take a listen to this. Places plain 
Okay, so then after this song, there's more, of course, there's many more things that happen. Um, and earlier we spoke part one, two, and three. We just set off mic here. It's kind of just all one piece. It's kind of, when Doug was first there saying... Are actually, there are three, basically, directions that the story yeah. kind of goes in, and so that's why they broke when it When Doug down. first said that, I, I kind of was... I never saw it as three parts. I always saw it as one big thing. So, yeah, it gives you an idea, especially because halfway through is an intermission, and if that's in the middle between part two, then it kind of leaves you, well, wait a second, is that three parts or only two parts? Anyway, so this is the rest of part one. Basically, there's those prophecies, and then here's here's something I'm going to read that is also in part one that is sung and it's part of the text and in the singing familiar. and this is very <laughs> familiar in fact if you're watching tv this this christmas you're going to hear it on the charlie brown christmas special yeah they, they say this and here's something that they'll they'll sing fear not for behold i bring you tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior which is christ the lord and so that is the that's one of those christmas things i always hear especially Charlie it's, Brown. There's several other shows and it's that a do good, it. That kind of ends that part because now you have the birth. Yes. And so they end it on on that part. Okay. okay. So then. So next, as in with anybody who has read the Bible, you really don't know a lot about what goes on with Christ then from childhood through much of his childhood. And so we go to him as an adult, which is the second part. And basically it uh, takes up here. It says, But the Jewish people were not satisfied with the meek and lowly Messiah. Their minds were filled with prophecies of the Old Testament that promised national greatness for Israel when when Jerusalem will be the metropolis of the world and a divine law will precede them from, uh, from all the nations. Okay, so basically they were looking for a mighty leader, and Jesus was not that. And so then uh, it passes over into uh, the tragic and sorrowful experiences endured by the Lord in his suffering for sin 1,900 years ago are told in some of the choruses and solos in the second part of the oratorio. And so basically... um, at that point, then, you've gone into that part of the story, uh, which means you're probably getting ready to enter into, you are, you're getting ready to enter into crucifixion. Yeah. And I got to tell you, we're kind of only hitting the high points. There, are the, Some of the music and the low points where there's like this, they're singing sorrow and they're singing deep, you know, whatever. It's really is really lost. You know, death is involved here crucifixion and stuff and suffering some of the songs are just very very touching they're like that it's like that it's just like like i relate it to a movie and you watch a movie and you see everybody's somebody, happy in the beginning well and then no, there's a rough i know i don't i'm wanna. not saying that i'm saying in relative to the music where right. if there is a sad part in a movie you're going to hear this music that's just kind of gets right to your heart it's not something that it's just that music that you can just grab you so anyway we're not going to play those parts because it would take this show for three hours long and or longer uh, yeah. <laughs> and we've only picked this next song coming up here because everyone recognizes it and so do you want to go ahead okay, and continue so basically on? what happens next is there we've go. gone through crucifixion and we go into resurrection and at that point comes probably the uh most well-known part of uh, the Messiah, which everyone knows, which is the Hallelujah Chorus. Yes. Uh, okay, at this point, though, it, it truly is, yeah. I mean, I think everybody will know this, and so what we can do, if you're ready... Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment, but okay. if you... That, no, that's fine. Okay. 
Um, actually, I mean, I can go into a little bit of this. Basically, uh, a significant feature of the Hallelujah Chorus, of course, is that uh, it has never yet been sung by those for whom it was originally designed. For through Handel's music, maybe, though Handel's music might be inspiring, it is but the work of a fallible man. Whereas the words uh, used are the words of inspiration recorded in the Bible, uh, yet to be sung to the praise and honor of the Messiah by immortal voices. This means uh, basically it's taken from Revelations uh, 19, 1 through 6, which means, you know, I mean, basically you have the end and the rebirth of, of earth. Yeah, so the Hallelujah Chorus is very something everyone already knows as soon as I, in fact, you probably already know it. And it's used, it's it's generally used, it's, it's used out of context a lot of times, but in reality, it is very similar to the same thing. And, is, and the, the term I want to say is celebration. Whenever right. you hear that, everyone is like, you know, I just finished my oh, finals. I'm so happy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you, you know, you're just <laughs> exactly. like shouting for joy. It's yep. it's the same celebration that is invoked in every time you hear that chorus every time. But in this context, it obviously the it truly context, is celebration. The, the context it was written, the context it, that it comes in, it is it truly a celebration. And so... We're going to play the whole thing, I think. Yes, because, I would like to play the whole thing. Um, there's various portions that if you're not familiar with the entire thing, you're going to you kind of miss out on, and you don't really hear it usually if you've only heard just the one main line. But it's kind of cool because it gives you like the the declining and ex, uh, aclining, what I want to say, increase and decrease how they sing up and down. Peaks and, and valleys. Yeah. yeah, in the music, you'll hear it kind of settle down and go up and down, almost like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, kind of something like that in classical form. So... We're going to play that entire um, piece. I think it's around five, six minutes. And uh, enjoy this because it definitely invokes that spirit of just being in this live this performance is in an auditorium. Yeah. Which is exactly what Christmas is about. So yeah, yeah. sit back and let's enjoy this.
Okay, and as I said earlier, I don't see, see these as parts, but that's all right. We're on to I part know. three. We'll see. But I want to say <laughs> yeah. that if you're listening to the Messiah and you listen to the Hallelujah Chorus, you're not halfway. You're more than halfway done with it, pretty much. So, well, in but my because the celebration has begun. Yeah, that's it. And and there's more to it. And let's just go into and the see. And, and, and many times I really thought uh, before I read a little more into this, I really thought the Hallelujah course portion was for the resurrection and it's not it's for the rebirth it's for the second coming yeah and so i when i read that i thought oh okay well that makes more sense okay and if i probably would have read more lyrically at the time and thinking that it was a resurrection it would not have made any sense to me mm-hmm. so well the anyway. other thing is that the, the it's not you think holy chorus that's all it is it's the end it's the end thing and then they're done no right. there's a lot more no there's <laughs> so more. yeah that's what part three is about. Part and three. Go yeah. ahead. Okay. The oratorio passes uh, in part three on to the solemn matters of personal concern. Uh, these relate to the things of individual hope and the personal triumph of those who have accepted the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and have taken his yoke upon them. Now, the words of scripture are quoted uh, that though a man might die, yet he can have hope in the resurrection when at the latter days the Redeemer shall stand on the earth. Uh, anyway, the uh, portion of music in this part uh, that we wanted to play is a chorus of uh, Worthy is the Lamb. Okay, so I'm not sure we'll play the entire piece. I'll see what how long we've got. Um, but anyway, let's continue on as we listen we'll we'll listen to this part yeah it is called worthy as a lamb it is the chorus singing so it's the choir portion and we'll play a bit of that right now And we thought it might be helpful to just give a little bit of that text. I know you heard yeah. it there, but uh, go ahead. And okay, first let me, it says, This, uh, worthy of the Lamb, this song is the song of the redeemed, the song of men and women who have not merely listened to the glorious music of the Messiah, but have taken heed to the message of his words. Their song of glory and praise is followed by one in which all creation join, angels, mortals, and immortals, worthy of the Lamb. 
uh, worthy of the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Okay, so that that gives you... Powerful words. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it gives you context to to kind of the story line that Handel is in there. That's that's one of the part threes. There's one final song that we are going to play at the end here, but we're going to tag it on at the very end of the show. So anyway, I wanted to comment, and I just wanted to say it... It's different when you you kind of just sit and you read something or listen to it, but when it actually becomes applicable to your life, that's when it's different. Yeah. And I wanted to add just the fact that it's um, I don't know how to say it besides the fact that there is hope. And I think that when when you read this story and you hear the inspiration of how it was created, I, I think hope is something that you can anybody can just truly, relate to. You so. can go back to the beginning, and I truly don't know where. I mean, I haven't read a lot on Handel, but the fact that he locked himself in the room after reading uh, these passages, these scriptures, mm-hmm. tells me that maybe he something struck him. And otherwise, this would have happened in, in another time in his life. Yeah. But all of a sudden, something struck him, and over the next 24 days, he wrote this uh, without food a lot of times, without water, without company, locked in a room, sobbing. Yeah. And so something took place mm-hmm. there, and that, I believe, was the hope, the hope that he was given. Even during the time, I don't know what was taking place in his life, but something happened to him behind the doors yeah. of that room. Yeah, definitely. And you can see instances of that in all kinds of people's lives that have had same experiences all throughout you know human history and uh so it's amazing that we have this still around to even think about and look at and say oh wow and And here comes this this beautiful music yeah Yeah. and the thing is is you can experience it as strongly now as he did in 1741 yeah it's true that's what's neat yeah this exact same way so yeah uh, there's not a lot of things you can say that about yeah yeah exactly so uh, with that inspiration and that thought, uh, we thought it'd be, be best, uh, we've done this on other shows, to just close out the show, giving you uh, that last hope and inspiration as they close out at the end of the, at the Messiah with the Amen. It's the chorus singing Amen and uh, just the the powerful ending that this brings. And of course, there's all that in between that we didn't cut. And truly, by the time on, you get through this, what else can you say? Well, that's true. <laughs> and yeah. so hence the reason why it is repeated over and over because yeah. there are there are not words. Yeah. And so so uh, before we just close that out and play that song, I just want to say I hope everyone out there has a great Christmas and continues uh, listening. If you want to listen to the show, more great. If not, uh, we're still here and we're still doing stuff. We have more plans. But I hope most of all that you just get something this season, uh, whether you have just a time of reflection and you have i don't know celebration in your life that's great um reunion of family yeah there are so many things that can be that have nothing to do with the gifts that go underneath the tree yeah so exactly so all right so we're going to close out with that song and until then have a great week and we'll see you another time goodbye
This podcast has been brought to you by theseamazingplaces.com. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho!